2: Welcome! Welcome to speak for (laughs) (laughs) speak for yourself.
3: Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. You still got her on your mind, don't you? (laughs) How did I do that? (laughs) You just laying there in bed and just all of a sudden you just Yeah.
2: Marcellus! (laughs) And literally, you know what? I was I was thinking about Marcellus. And literally, I was about getting him on this show, and that's what had him on my mind, because I, we had mm-hmm. talked over uh, social media. You still got feelings for him, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> He'd look better in that seat than you.
3: Mm. Well, damn it, he's still cashing <laughs> Dallas Cowboy checks. He's supposed to. <laughs> All right, look, happy Tuesday,
2: happy day before a hump day. We have a fantastic show planned for you today. I'm not sure if it'll be as good as that Raiders uh uh Ravens, Ravens game last Ra- night. Ravens, Jason. Yeah, Raiders, Ravens. I was yes. being screwed up, but it's gonna be damn good. Uh we're gonna talk about uh, the a Chiefs events fan, last night. How did you really feel watching that game? The, I was, as a Chiefs fan. As a Chiefs fan, I felt like uh this Max Crosby's a problem. And I hope the Chiefs' offensive tackles are ready for Max Crosby. The Raiders' defense looks a little bit improved and a bit more dangerous. That, that's how I felt, but you know. yeah. Anyway, uh, Professor D, Professor Delano, Squire's the smartest man on the show. He's gonna join us. He's written a column about, some, about the Met Gala and just how decadence, and I think he's, spectacle. Spectacle is now the greatest resource in American culture Right now, he'll he'll explain. You know, D. He'll have a long explanation. We'll roll out to Chicago, talk to Greg Couch. He watched the Monday Night Football game too. He watched the mega cast with uh, Peyton and Eli Manning. Did you watch any of that? No, no, yeah. I, no. Oh,
3: I, I'm, I I'm, I'm, I'm a watched. basic guy.
2: You're a basic guy. You're yeah. a basic guy. Anyway, I, I watched it. It was pretty interesting. Uncle Jimmy's gonna flip me the bird, I guess, later in the show as well. Uh, <laughs> but we're gonna start. We always like to start with a fire. And something that I found fascinating last night. Mm-hmm. Raiders defensive end, Carl Nassib, did not make history last night. Mm-hmm. He did make progress. Celebrated by corporate media as the NFL's first openly gay active player, the six year defensive end made the biggest play on Monday Night Football. Midway through overtime, Nassib sacked Baltimore quarterback Lamar Jackson, causing a fumble. That allowed the Raiders to win a wildly entertaining game. I think it was 33-27 in overtime. In a game filled with Las Vegas scapegoats, Nassib was the unquestioned hero. He bailed out Raiders quarterback Derek Carr, who threw a late interception, receiver Willie Sneed, Ball State product, Pass went right through his hands that led to that interception. Right tackle Alex Leatherwood got a terrible uh, false start penalty on the one-yard line. And head coach John Gruden, who, you know, if you're going to blame the delay of game
3: penalty uh, that made him eschew the field goal and end up scoring, the, that was on John Gruden. It wasn't his fault. He he he, he just called the play. That wasn't his fault. Well, it wasn't ready.
2: It's, it all falls on the head coach at some point, Jimmy. It's just like, when you crack a bad joke, everybody gets mad at me.
3: No, they you don't. Do they just mad at you, period, from even having
2: me here.
0: Yeah.
2: That's <laughs> All right, so Nassib's sack strip wasn't spectacular. He rolled around the left side of Baltimore's offensive line after a stunning defensive tackle washed two Ravens uh, defensive linemen inside, freeing Nassib to blow past an overmatched running back. Nassib hit Jackson from behind. The ball popped out, and one of Nassib's teammates recovered it. The defensive play design had as much to do with the sack as Nassib. That's not said to diminish the effort or or Nassib's performance. Injuries forced Nassib into the playing rotation and he delivered the most important play of the game. Hats off. Here's what I found odd and potentially Uncle Jimmy, perhaps a sign of progress. Odd and a sign of progress. Nassib won the game and ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports didn't treat the moment like a moon landing which is one big step for mankind in fact ESPN appeared to mostly ignore Nassib's sexuality. I watched these ESPN's Peyton and Eli Manning special broadcast of the game. I never heard the topic bro- uh, broached among the Mannings or their guest. Although Charles Barkley wore a Nassib jersey on the broadcast I asked friends who watched the normal Monday Night Football broadcast and they said Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Lewis Riddick did not dwell on Nassib's sexuality. Last night and Tuesday morning when I checked ESPN.com, Nassib was not prominently mentioned. This is incredibly odd to me. It appears ESPN went out of its way to downplay Nassib's sexuality. They went out of their way and I, what? what? I'm trying to follow you. They went out of their way. way To downplay instead of overplay. Let's think this through. The network that showed Michael Sam kissing his boyfriend on a 24-hour loop in 2014, Mm -hmm. isn't leaning into NASA making a game-winning play on Monday Night Football? Sam, of course, was the University of Missouri defensive end and the Rams selected on the final, pl- final day of the final round of the draft in 2014. A year after Sam's draft kiss heard round the world or seen round the world, ESPN named long-retired, former male Olympic decathlete, Caitlyn Jenner, the most courageous athlete of the year for telling the world she felt like a woman trapped in a male body. Just a few years ago, ESPN was gloating in media circles about its ability to turn the Gruden-led Monday Night Football broadcast into a shrine for diversity and inclusion. What's going on here? The first openly gay, active NFL player decides the only professional football game on television, and ESPN fails to brand the moment as history, rivaling Hank Aaron's 715th home run? Something is right with this picture. I suspect it's Carl Nassif. Apparently, he legitimately has no interest in allowing the media to exploit his sexual desires. This is progress. Nassif wants to be judged as a football player, not by what arouses him sexually. I suspect Nassif and the Raiders asked ESPN to avoid making his sexuality part of the game narrative. Most people who, def- who define themselves by their sexuality, whether they're straight, gay, or bi, have little of value to offer the world beyond their sexual organs and identities. The hyper focused or the hyper promiscuous straight jock is intellectually and spiritually bankrupt. I do think ESPN underplayed NASA's big night. It's a positive, feel-good story. His teammates clearly don't care all that much about his sexuality. They celebrated his big play with the same enthusiasm as Derek Carr's game-winning touchdown pass. Nassib isn't the first gay player to be accepted inside an NFL locker room, nor is he the first to make the most important play in a huge game. There is value in Nassib sharing his sexuality. His success on pop culture's most masculine stage, the NFL, makes it less likely that young men who don't fit traditional masculinity standards will be ostracized and bullied. It's not an endorsement of homosexuality. It's an acknowledgement of necessary, healthy progress. Our society tolerates all sorts of sexual sin. It's a horrific mistake to single out one form of it for demonization while celebrating other forms that damage the nuclear family. The demonization and hostility cause a backlash that leads ESPN to give Caitlyn Jenner an award that Bruce actually won. See what I did there? I saw. See what I did there? I just- ESPN, the most courageous athlete was actually Bruce Jenner. Why they would wait 30 years and give it to Caitlyn Jenner is mind-boggling, but
3: that's what ESPN used to do. Hey, maybe Caitlyn Jenner thinks that uh, California is going to give him this election, too. Her this election. That's her pronoun, her. She I was, ain't there yet. <laughs> I get it. And uh,
2: neither. Listen, I, I, sir, and, and you don't have to go too deep on this. We got Steve Kim coming up. Uh, but I think it's interesting, and I think it's calculated on ESPN's part that they're not leaning into this. Carl Nassib, historic gay athlete, wins the football game. I think it's intentional. I think someone has gone around to ESPN and said, "Look, if this dude does anything, we're not going to overplay it."
3: I honestly, when it happened, it was like. The gay dude got a sack. <laughs> I mean, what you were thinking? I mean, no, I mean, but, but that. What you thinking Carl I mean, No, no, now, no, no. When, when they said caught, I'm like, yeah. oh, the gay dude. But they never talked about it again. Yeah. They never talked. And I'm like, hmm. And to me, I mean, and that was it. That was the extent of thinking about it. That was, I was like, wow, he just made it. And I was waiting to hear it. And I mean, I didn't, I'm like, wow, so we're not even talking about this. We're, and then I felt like something was wrong with me. I'm like, hold on, did I miss this? Cause I'm trying to be, I ain't saying I'm woke, but I'm waking up. <laughs> you know, well, they
2: built the expectation that if the guy had done anything, they were going to
3: jam it down our in our face. Damn. Damn. <laughs> I was say, you, better, you better hurry up and get you Steve in there. Now.
2: Steve, yeah, come bail me out. I was about to say throat, then I said face. <laughs> and then, <woo. laughs> Uh, Let's go Go. to our favorite ESPN expert, uh, Steve Kim, former writer for ESPN. One of the smartest guys talking about the sports media, or in my view, the smartest guy and the most clever, my Asian brother from another mother. Is this a long enough introduction that I'm giving him uh, Uncle Jimmy's but, but, pa- but you
3: got to add one more. He, yeah. He's one of the realest guys. He's one of the realest guests that we've had on here, man. He keeps it real. He,
2: he really does. And when he corrected you on the Black National Anthem, I enjoyed that uh, <laughs> tremendously. That he, know, uh, he knows more about the Negro National Anthem than your old
3: ass. That's embarrassing. No, he knows more about the Negro National Anthem than your big old ass. Now tell the truth. <laughs> and shame the devil.
2: All right. Uh, Steve, what, what do you think of my... I think it's odd that this isn't plastered all over ESPN and being treated like a moon landing. I I, I, I think that's very odd for ESPN not to treat it that way
4: give him a lot of credit i mean jay i actually did watch both of the mega Cast with dan orlovsky and i switched over a little bit to the regular broadcast and you may have missed it sometime in the second half they did actually run a very small vignette on nasib they showed a social media post where it came out um lisa salters talked about it and then the three announcers and i believe this is the new rule now anytime someone does something like this the announcers are basically told by the producers psst Hey, guys, tell them how proud you are of him and how courageous it is. They gave that spiel. Then they moved on. And, and Jay, my view is this. Carl Nassib, and you wrote about this a couple of months ago when this first happened, he's a fringe player. This is not Howie Long. And it reminds me of the first gay Major League Baseball player that was known to have come out was Glenn Burke. He was a backup for the Dodgers back in the late 70s. Actually, the creator, believe it or not, of the high five. But he was a bench player. So he's kind of a footnote in history. I mean, it's noteworthy to a certain degree, but it's not that big of a deal. Carl Nassib made a play, a pivotal play, a big play as a football player. And I guarantee you that Nassib himself, that let's say he plays a much larger role and has a career season this year. Jay, I really don't think he wants to be known as, oh, Carl Nassib, eight and a half sacks, the gay guy. I think that's the last thing he wants. I agree
2: with you there. But but Steve, given all that we've seen from ESPN over the last few years, every opportunity to jam every BLM, LGBTQ agenda down our, in our face, down our throats, (laughs) they tried (laughs) to jam it all. And, and, And I don't, I'm not even saying that, there's no pun intended there in all seriousness. They have made it front and center and that anytime there's an opportunity to talk about some left-wing progressive cultural issue, they've gone overboard. And and to me, they went underboard if there is such a thing last night on Carl Nassib. I actually think I, I, I would have I prefer them going underboard than overboard, but I do think they kind of underplayed this a little bit. Me and Uncle Jimmy were sitting there. And I mm. mean, he's sitting in his house. I'm sitting in my house. They had The expectation to me was, oh, there's going to be a big post-game interview, and we're going to hear about how historic this. I get on ESPN.com, and I can't find it. I, I well, can't find the highlight of the sack. I can't find the story. I think this isn't someone's had a conversation over there. And this is a strategy by ESPN to underplay this.
4: Good. Good, because it's much needed and it was very refreshing. And go to the beginning of the broadcast. Uh, I made it a point to actually watch it from the very first minute. They showed the national anthem sung by Gladys Knight without the pips. Very interesting rendition. And then I'm thinking, okay, here comes the Negro national anthem that we talked about yesterday. Guess what? They didn't do that. So maybe they did have a discussion and maybe it's much needed. Because if you look at the trend of who watches football, it's still very masculine. And there's a segment of America that is still very conservative. ESPN, for all its social justice leanings, they are a business. Maybe they have said, okay, maybe on the NBA, maybe on Major League Baseball, we can shove this down people's or in their faces. Here, the National Football League, I've said this for about 10 years, Jason, baseball is America's pastime. Football is our passion. And maybe they are treating this a little bit different. And quite frankly, I think it's refreshing.
2: I I hate to sound contradictory and I'm contradicting myself, maybe hypocritical. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a contrarian. But this is I don't think they threaded the needle here. There needed to be some sort of focus on this it didn't need to be like Michael Sam on a 24-hour loop and here he is you know I mean Michael Sam never made a play in the NFL Michael Sam was a seventh round draft pick damn near the last guy drafted and they turned him into the biggest deal ever and they just that kiss was just everywhere for damn near a week and and they were trying to put it in our face Caitlyn Jenner That whole ESPY award, most creative, that's just shoving it in our face. That's going way too far. They needed to back up from that, but on this particular deal, and, and I say this as someone who, I was never a bully, but I certainly, as a kid, was involved in stereotypical jock culture, stereotypical Oh, the the kid that's more effeminate, the the boy that's more effeminate than me and my friends. I, I, I again, I wasn't a bully, but I wasn't a guy that stood up and said, "Hey, man, we ain't doing that. Cut that out." And 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 I have seen as a, I, my memories of kids that didn't quite meet the masculinity standards. I do think that Carl Nassib, even though he seems you know, as masculine as any other football player. I do think having this type of role model removes a lot of the stigma and the hostility and the bullying and the ostracizing of young boys who don't fit the stereotypical standard of masculinity. And that's why I think it's worth putting a bit of attention on Carl Nassib and what he accomplished last night.
4: Well, Jay, let's go back to Michael Sam. That was seven years ago in 2014. Michael Sam was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year at Missouri. I remember that season. He was a very good player. And all that coverage came, I think, in the third day of the draft. At that point, you're running out of features if you're ESPN or the NFL network. I mean, you're looking for anything to really feature, to highlight, to show the vignettes. You've run out of the stories of the first-round draft choices. Even the commissioner's gone home. He doesn't care anymore. And they have fans out there making draft pick announcements. So that was filler. But again, at the SEC college level, which he had just graduated from, he was a major player for that one year. So that's a story. When it comes to Bruce Jenner, this guy was an American icon. He's one of the first athletes that I knew of, and for many years, he was the face of Wheaties. So we're talking about this iconic figure that most of middle America, the general public knew. When it comes to Carl Nassib, unless you are an NFL uh, hardcore fan or a Raiders fan— Nobody knows who Carl Nassib is. And and just the fact him making a play is treated like another football play, like you said, that's progress. And the way ESPN handled it, I I actually applaud it. I think they did a great job last night of really showcasing a highly entertaining contest.
2: Steve Kim is defending ESPN. That's not his role.
3: No. I think he's trying to – it's an opening with Stephen A. Smith on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Is, there- no, no, no. <laughs> is, that why, is that why he keeps saying Michael Irvin is the only one yeah, good enough yeah. to be with, uh, with Stephen yeah. A. Smith? Well, I think well, that Steve Wise guy would do pretty good here. <laughs> I mean, if we get him over on Tuesdays, Thursdays, we could use him a little bit over
4: <laughs> But wait a minute. <laughs> Guys, let me just say one thing. Uh, I am yeah. the Korean co I call it the way I see it. I mean, if if something is good, I'm going to see it. If something is bad, I'm going to see it. If something is ugly, I'm going to say it. Like, even today on First Take, you know a guy I like that fits in well with Stephen A? Give him the damn mic. Keyshawn Johnson. I actually think he's damn good and is is entertaining. Mm. He has bombast. His ego is big enough, and he's not afraid to back down from Stephen A. And I've I've begun to realize this as, as more as I study that show. When you're with Stephen A, you don't have to bring the knowledge, although that's important, like I said, you better bring a big ego. You better bring an ego that's as big as his. And if you don't back down, you're fine. And I'm going to give ESPN more credit, as this might be my last appearance on this program. Your tweet <laughs> last night, Jason, got me going. When you said, oh, I like the Mannings here. So that piqued my interest. I went to my ESPN Plus. I had my laptop. And I had the game on the big screen. But the Mannings I've heard, I'll do that next week. So I went to the Megacast, their other one, with Mina Kimes, Marcus Spears, Dan Orlovsky, and Laurel Rutledge. As a football fan, I want to give Laura Rutledge credit. She opened my slanted eyes. I was blown away by her knowledge and her ability to bring back facts and okay. analysis. It's not just reading. Stop! Stop. And Daniel Lofsky Stop. is great. Stop! Stop! It is. Stop! Stop! <laughs> Stop! <laughs>
2: You just broke every rule in the book. Man, you, Come on, man. You can't, you can't do you, that man. to me, Steve. You know my Thank history you. with uh Jeremy <laughs> Lynn. You got You can't <laughs> You can't crack that joke. But I'm in trouble for that. But
4: I'm, I did. <laughs>
3: Oh my God! He's he's yeah. worse than you, Jimmy. Damn! I mean, yeah. he talked about Caitlyn Jenner was the face of Wheaties. I was gonna say he was the face of Whiteies, but I mean now. Oh, <laughs> the Korean cosell is just on. Oh, yeah, but good <laughs> gosh. I'm not even gonna
0: I'm not
2: even gonna say that second one. Uh, <laughs> uh, so hold on, I don't want to stop your point because no. I did not know about the mega cast and and are that version of the mega cast and so lauren rutledge did a great a good job
4: right because it's easy to recite facts and stats i do that you can go to a box score but she's actually breaking down cover three uh quarters coverage how do you attack this one uh what receiver is really good against man press coverage And then Orlovsky, who I think is really the star of that show, he's the centerpiece, breaks it down in a football way. If you ever want to learn about football, and I've had this experience, if you watch a football game with a quarterback that at least played college football, guys, they will teach you the game literally as it goes on. I've had the chance to do that with Rudy Carpenter, had a chance to do that with Brad Kaya, and with Dan Orlovsky, all of America gets that opportunity. It really is a football education.
2: So you've taken me someplace I wasn't expecting to go, but it's a thought that ran through my head today. And I'm going to give you the opportunity because you, you you watch this mega cast. I saw today, or yeah, this this morning on ESPN, they brought, uh, there was a, a male host and they brought Minor Kimes on to break down football. And and she's wearing mm-hmm. a little tight dress. and you know what. I'm just keeping it real. We can do that on this show. She's wearing a little tight dress. And she's breaking down football like she's Dan Orlovsky or Marcus Spears. And I just got to be honest. I, you didn't hear words she said? I, <laughs> yeah, I actually did.
3: Wow, wow, wow. wow, I, wow I actually wow, did wow.
2: hear what she said, and I didn't think any of it was all that insightful. It sounded like someone who had never played football that was just kind of rattling off a few little stats and highlights. But but on this megacast, and I know you're talking about Lauren Rutledge, but yeah. she's... Mine is better on that, or that was, that was more enjoyable?
4: I'll be honest. That mega cast was the Dano show co hosted by Laura Rutledge, and they had a couple of gambling guys in Vegas that played a side role. Marcus Spears does not really do much on that show. Mine, kind, but I'm kind of with you on that. Look, in a situation like that, as someone who covers boxing that didn't fight, Larry Merchant once taught me, Steve don't talk like a fighter or a trainer. It's not really your job. Your job is to be an observer. That's what our jobs are as journalists and and writers, Jason. You know that. We didn't play in the NBA or Major League Baseball. We make observations. Mina plays a role. And look, I give her credit in a sense that she's been around Dan Orlovsky a lot. She must have learned something. But when it comes to the pure X's and O's of the game, I I do want a former player. I, I really do. Or a coach. Now, on the flip side, one of my favorite segments in all of radio is your old cohort, Uh, Colin Coward, when he brings on Greg Cosell from NFL Films for his weekly Thursday segment. This is the God's honest truth, Jason. When I'm driving around somewhere and Colin says, Greg Cosell is coming in, uh, I will find a way to actually make my drives longer to be able to listen to that segment because I learned something. The guy has put in his time. So we have to be very careful in terms of saying, well, you never played the game because that could be used all the time. And I remember... Cam Newton. Remember, a couple of years ago, some uh, lady reporter asked about, well, how are you breaking down this coverage? And he kind of brushed her off, and he got into a lot of trouble with that. So we all got to be careful in terms of, like, you know, questioning someone's qualifications or if they should be allowed to talk about certain subjects or aspects of the game. Steve, I, I, I'm gonna say this.
2: Here's why I say that. Because one, I think football is a little special case. Everybody plays basketball. Uncle Jimmy. My mother, you, uh Corey. My mother it,
3: almost married Oscar Robinson. <laughs> <That's true.
2: laughs> they did go on, I think they went to the prom together.
3: But anyway, <laughs> uh
2: anyway. When it comes to football, ninety percent of the people in the press box, whether male or female, don't know what the hell they're watching. I I I've said 90? 90% Ooh, male or geez. female. And some wow. of them have jobs in the <laughs> NFL. So what I'm talking the press box ain't just the press. And because I've been around scouts and people – football is a complicated game and there's a lot of people faking it. And so you're – I, 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 I'm not a – Orlovsky guy per se. I'm not anti him. I think he does a pretty solid job. But in terms of this X and O's knowledge, it, it hasn't come across to me as strongly as it has to you. Uh, th- there's others that in that, that, your right quarterbacks tend to be more and particularly when you're not that talented of a guy like Orlovsky. And that, that's you know, you have to really know the game. But but my just take on most of the people talking football have no clue. <laughs> and, and literally, if I if I ask them to diagram just the positions on the field, they can't do it. And let alone what cover two means, what the difference between a four, a three and a three, four. And again, I'm not even saying I'm the greatest expert on it anymore because the further and further I get away From, you know, going to practices and going to games and just dealing with coaches and sitting through film sessions. I used to do that kind of stuff just to keep my my mind fresh. But anyway, I'm I'm rambling on here. I'm going to have to listen to that mega cast. What do you think of Peyton and Eli? And then I'll let you go.
4: I watched just about a minute or two of it. I'm actually a fan of Peyton's mm. Place. That's on ESPN Plus. Very good show. Teaches you the great. history of football yeah. in a quirky way. And, and Peyton's a natural. I'm going to give that a shot next week. Uh, but Eli, to me, is not quite as natural. I just wonder how he would do without his brother. So I can't really give too much of an opinion because I only watched about two minutes of it before I went to the Mega Cast.
2: All right, we're going to let Steve go. The Korean Cosell. Real quick, Korean Cosell is. Uh, Howard's nephew, but go, what? Before we go, yeah. can we
3: find out whether or not Steve's going to be signing up to do a hangover for or not?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think he is, Jim. Okay, I, mean, I think I was he gonna is. Say, a, I want tickets. That's, that's a, a pretty good franchise, Hangover. Yes. I mean, why would, why I love would him. he leave? I love him. <laughs> why, would, why would he leave? All right, our <laughs> friends over at Built Bar have become an important part of my daily routine, especially in my fight with my gut and to shed this weight. It's going great. Their protein bars are low in sugar and most of them are under 150 calories as well. Even more importantly, they're full of great taste and flavor with tons of great flavors to choose from like cookie dough, chunk, mint brownie, coconut almond, and the new flavors, peanut butter brownie, built bar, Stay innovative to keep giving you the best product possible. You'll never look at those grocery store protein bars the same way after trying Bilt Bar. But stop wasting your time and quit waiting. Go and order your very own Built Bars now. Go to Bilt.com and use promo code FEARLESS to save 15% off your first order. Use promo code FEARLESS for 15% off at Bilt.com. All right, welcome back. Time to head out to Washington, D.C. Change it up before we get back to football. Let's talk with uh, Professor D. Delano. Delano Squire's the smartest man on the show. Uh, Delano's written a column. uh, Jimmy capturing uh, the, the headline is Little Nas X and Russell Westbrook remind us that financial wealth doesn't fix spiritual poverty. Uh, it opens with spectacle. spectacle. has become the most valuable resource in America's cultural economy. That explains little Nas X's ascendancy, his hyper-sexualized grip on the nation's attention span, and the recent viral cross-dressing images of NBA star Russell Westbrook and rapper Kid Cuddy. You saw the Westbrook in a dress. You had a problem with that, Jim?
3: It, I don't think that that dress really represented his skin tone properly. <laughs>
2: Jim, he made the biggest faux pas of all the time. He's wearing white, and it's after Labor Day. Uh, but I, now, I've just been very responsible. I think in my conversation with Carl Nassib, I'm not a big fan of Russell Westbrook in a dress. Uh, and the, the uh, so I'll be a little less responsible in this conversation. But Delano! PD, welcome to the show. PD, I like that. That's kind of like <laughs> public, public Enemy. Pu- public PD, I like that. Professor Delano. Yeah, I know. I like that. That's pretty good, Jim. That's why you kind of that, that, that That's my guy. I man, we. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he,
3: he,
2: between hey, the man, he, can... he
3: has plans to take that seat. I got to get in good with him. Between the two of y'all, y'all got an IQ of about
2: 120. Thanks for your. Two point contribution between me and Delano, <laughs> we'll beat your ass
3: in some Scrabble. Now you keep on playing. Come on, man.
2: Uh, D, uh, what's on your mind today? It's a great column. You know, it's certainly something. As always, I was looking forward to when I saw Russell Westbrook in a dress. I was like, I bet you D will have something to say about this. <laughs> anyway, the floor is yours.
0: Sure. So I mean, I had the reaction. Um, you know, the, the typical reaction that I have when I see these images, right? Here, Here's another uh, instance of the culture trying to tear down masculinity and trying to, uh, you know, people criticizing those who question whether or not this is a good thing. And um, for some reason, that, that, that part, it, it just didn't stick this time around. And, and part of it is because I think Russell Westbrook is a different kind of character, even in Kid Cudi. Um, f- I see Russell Westbrook As uh, and this is more of a sports take, I see Russell Westbrook as occupying an even higher plane of masculinity than LeBron James. I say that because he seems to me like a person who um, is more likely to do what he wants and seems less controllable. Um, He's also a guy who prides himself on fashion and, and being fashionable and being a trendsetter. So in some respects, It's hard for me to say what is motivating Westbrook to do this. I I mean, I still think obviously he looks ridiculous. I still think men in skirts and dresses is obviously uh, uh, um, not something that I would consider particularly masculine. Everybody says, well, Scottish people do it. And my response is one, I thought we were against cultural appropriation, and two, since when did we say that the European standard of dress is is now the standard? But after a while, I, I sort of put those feelings to the side and I just saw it as something different. And I mentioned this in the column in terms of um, the the notion of spectacle becoming such a, um, an important resource in the cultural economy. And I think oftentimes people do things just to get a reaction out of people. Um, Westbrook knew that the photo was going to go viral, he had to know that. And um, I see it similar, you know, a, a parallel with what Lil, X, what Lil Nas X has been doing for, you know, the better part of a, a year or so in terms of, it's just one spectacle after another, giving Satan a lap dance and, you know, him being quote unquote pregnant with his album and the, the videos and the images. Um, and, and what it really made me think about is that there are so many people in our, in our culture, in our society who put on a good face. They want to tell you that they, you know, they can do what they want and, and that they're strong and they're powerful. Um, but there's a difference between a tough exterior and an inner strength. And what I see is a, is a culture, um, particularly in pop culture, that is not just morally bankrupt, but, but spiritually impoverished. Um, and that really makes me have a different feeling, less so of um, you know, condemnation and, and, and contempt, <clears throat> and more so in many respects of pity and empathy. Um, and that's why I, I cited the, the scripture in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament where God, you know, through Moses is telling the children of Israel, when you come into this land and it's flowing with milk and honey and it has houses you didn't build and wells you didn't dig, don't forget about me. When you, when you get everything that you've been wanting in terms of material resources, don't forget about the God that gave you the ability to, to acquire and generate wealth. Now, particularly for for us in, in the black community, when we look at the Old Testament, particularly Exodus and, and the, 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 the passage out of slavery that you know, the Israelites went through and thinking about how much that has impacted our own religious traditions, I think it's, it's even more resonant, right? You have people who, who are, whose ancestors came out of slavery and many black folk, even if they're not, they don't practice Christianity today, were raised in the church and what you see is a shift in the culture, where we have um, let go of the true and living God and have chased after false idols, oftentimes um, with the support, help, and and co-signing of you know our quote-unquote religious leaders. So that, that's really what I was trying to get at. Um, I, I think what we're seeing now, as I said, is not just a culture in decline, but but a culture that's longing out for something. Um, deeper than 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 what it really realizes.
2: So, I want to, there's several things you said that I'm going to respond to and we'll do them one at a time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start with Westbrook, where I think you kind of indicated you saw him as an NBA player perhaps at the peak of masculinity. Perhaps more, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but more masculine than LeBron James and a lot of these other Correct. guys. And <clears throat> and I see it just the opposite. And, and I say that in all seriousness. And, and and I say it because when I see somebody that can't control their emotions, I go straight to, oh, that's feminine energy. And, and I'm sorry hmm. if I'm being offensive to, uh, to women, but I, I do think women tend to be a bit more emotional than men and and I know Russell Westbrook I think his parents are still married and I think he has a good relationship with his dad and and so it's always surprised me like this dude has no control over his emotions a little a little kid taps him on the rear end at a basketball game and he wants to scold him he wants to argue with fans and you want to beat up the man's wife yeah in utah and and I look at the way he plays he plays in emotional illogical style and and that there's he's part to me of this movement of like that, that's convincing everybody oh you gotta get in touch with your emotions and you gotta express them and that's the key to happiness mm. and I just don't believe that I, I don't believe you I don't think there's anything wrong with a man or a woman but in particular a man holding in his emotions and expressing them at the proper time and amongst the proper group of people. But, <clears throat> you know, a, a lot of what I see, uh, in just like in gang culture, when, when, when you're short on intellect and long in emotion, you reach for a gun and settle all disputes that way. It's an emotional feminine culture. It's, it's, it's conflict resolution. If if women had the same physicality as men, <laughs> they would solve their problems the way idiot men do, who have no control over their emotions. And mm. and the only reason why they don't is because they don't have that kind of physicality, uh, in, in my view. And so I, I've all this at note when I would see Westbrook showing up at games. Dressed, the the attention-getting way that he was addressed all the time and always constant. It, it's it's. I, I looked at that the entire time and was just like, he got a secret, and he's gonna tell mm-hmm. that secret at some point. And you know he put on. I don't know if it was the 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 humiliation ceremony that they make a lot of these guys go through to get let into the club, Uh but. That's what we just witnessed. You got, you got the, the, mm. the
3: young people call it sus, sus, sus. What does that mean? Yeah, I guess I guess you're a little suspect. I don't know.
2: <laughs> anyway, so that's my take on Westbrook. If you had a mm-hmm. short response to that,
0: do you have sure. at it? Yeah. So I I think in many respects, I, I agree with you, you know, 100 percent in terms of um, being able to control one's emotions is one is a is a mark one of wisdom, and certainly of of healthy masculinity. Right? That doesn't mean you never fight. That doesn't mean you never get angry. It just means that you are in control. You're you are um, doing. You're not just responding to what other people are doing. Um, I made my comment about Westbrook, and again, my my views on that have changed just seeing what he's you know been been doing over the last couple of days. But to me, and I'll I'll use an analogy I use often, I see Westbrook as more of a a Bronco, right? A a guy who is, in many respects, uncontrollable. And what I'm saying is, in in many respects, I see LeBron as more of a gelding, right? But between those two is is a healthy balance, which is a stallion, which is an uncut male horse. LeBron is packaged, marketed, he will, he will say or do whatever. He, he talks a good game when it comes to social justice. But when Daryl Morey speaks out on you know, um, protesters in Hong Kong, then he's given the, the approved speech from the CCP. And he's saying that, you know, you need to know what you're talking about or you're going to hurt people spiritually and financially. That was a total gelding move to me. Um, as I said, I think what we're both saying is a healthy masculinity is, is the uncut stallion who's in control, but still has some virility. And as I said, I, I see Westbrook, or I saw him more as a, as a Bronco who is wild and uncontrollable, which does affect his career, but he's, he's two steps away from, from the other guy. Um, I may have to reevaluate that, but that's what made it so surprising. And Jason, I'll say this I think that's what makes it, in many respects, um, much more of a powerfully demoralizing image than Kid Cudi, right? Kid Cudi seems like a guy who is just, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, he, if he's dealing with, you know, sort of deep, deep um, depression and, and, you know, all sorts of other issues, right? He, he just doesn't seem like a, a person who's very well, as is the case with a lot of rock stars. So I sort of put him to the side. But when you get a guy who to this point has been, in many respects, uncontrollable, and you get him to wear the skirt or wear the dress or kiss the ring. I think it it in many respects sends the message like if we can get this guy, we can get anybody. Um, so that that was the initial response. But as I said, I see all of these things as pointing back to a, a deeper need for for spiritual meaning. Um, and even though these guys play team sports, it's I I, st- I still think there's there's something deeper even than that. And and oftentimes, I hear you, Jason, talk about it. I've heard Uncle Jimmy talk about it. You know, I talk about it. That, that feeling you get when you are around family and around loved ones, um, that feeling of contentment and peace, that's something that a lot of folks in Hollywood and in corporate media are trying to, to imitate and mimic. Um, but but what, what they're pushing is, is not the real deal.
3: D, I got a question for you. Uh, I don't know if you heard the opening monologue, but last night for the Raiders, Carl Nesbitt, that's Nass- Nassib. called Nassib. Openly gay football yeah. player, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's say openly gay, white football player. Made a play last night. His sexuality barely came up. But the hmm. only thing that we seem to be talking about all weekend is Russell Westbrook, Kid Cuddy, and Nas X. Explain to me how three black men is dressed in dresses all weekend – and they are, are claiming to be athletes but the white man that says he's openly gay that plays football he ain't in no dress didn't nobody talk about his sexuality but we as black men run around here in dresses how, how is that i mean i don't know if that makes sense or not it it, it clarify your question
2: jim i'm trying are you to say f- the media reaction is different or are you saying they're pr- Carl Nassib is presenting himself differently than these guys.
3: I'm asking, is it the media? What is it? Because Carl, Carl told you, I'm blatantly gay. But all I see him in is in his football uniform. That's all I see. Well, it, I don't see him dressed up like I see these guys dressed up. Well, Carl
2: Nassib, I'm pretty sure I've read up, he comes from a really tight-knit family, a football family. Both parents, brothers has played football, and I think Carl Nassib has made a decision on how he's going to carry himself and his sexuality, and I think he's let that be known. That, yeah, this is how I get down, but I'm just a guy, and I'm just a football player, and, and he literally has said he wants to be known as a football player, not as the gay football player. I, as I said in the opening, I think he's putting boundaries up in terms of how the media is going to portray him and how he's going to present himself. I th- he, he doesn't have any shame about his sexual orientation, preference, whatever you want to call it, uh, but he does have a specific way he wants to be seen, and it's not, it doesn't appear at this point. To be as flamboyant, and 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 Jim just and and D, I'll let you jump in here on Mm -hmm. with this handoff. Now just keep in mind there is within black male culture a flamboyance in terms of style of dress. Again, even a masculine black man may wear more colorful suits than the average white guy. If you you know if you ever uh, the master-
3: me and Michael Irvin we might, okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and my, Shannon Sharp, yeah. me and Michael Irvin and Shannon Sharp. Okay. If you've
2: ever saw if you saw the way I used to dress on uh, part of the interruption or whatever, I got some masterpiece lounge in me and you know we <laughs> and you, you, I used to sit on TV with a hat on just like you, and so there is that part of black male culture, but then there's this line that go where people just. Cam Newton, is extra. Russell Westbrook, it's extra. And 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 there seems to be rewards mm. for being extra. And 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 there seems, you know. And the, the other thing about Carl Nassib that we did, me and Steve Kim, we meant to even go here is like Carl Nassib is a tr- a registered Republican Trump supporter. That might be why. The corporate media is not putting him on their shoulders and running around like he's Hank Aaron and just hit 715. He, he doesn't support their total
3: agenda. Jason, can I be blatantly clear about what I want to say before we go to D? Yeah, well, Back in the, the day when I grew him. up, yeah. when, when we grew up, when you talked about devil worshiping, you talked about devil worshiping to me. It's, that was that white boy's crap. That, that, that's what white folks did. And we is we didn't do that mess. They did it. But nowadays, we hmm. doing. It. I leave, I. I eat Lil' Nas X. Back in I'm saying to you, back then when I grew up, you if you was talking that that wasn't our thing. We we didn't do that. But now all of a sudden it's our thing. You understand what I said? This whole
2: every black man wearing dresses? You talk no no no. I think what you're talking about is like Jay-Z and the you're talking about Illuminati, basically, or, or just? I'm be asking. Honest with, be honest with. you, I really think what you're getting at is Freemasonry, and we've we have been moving and we've always been in that lane. There's always been Black Masons, but now there seems to be more of it. Jim, I think what you're talking about again, to me, and D, I'll let you please jump in here. But but, hey man, when they let you into the money flow. Mm. Mm-hmm there's some baggage that goes along with that and there's a reason why the Bible and God said, man, a rich man to get into heaven? A camel can get through a needle because money is corruptive, particularly if you have no respect for a higher power or any scruples about how you get money. And so what you're talking about, Jim, is to me, is the African-American journey from slavery all the way up through the Civil Rights Movement, it was really attached to the church and Christianity. There you go. And we are being detached from that, and we've become secular and part of the world. And and there, we don't care how anybody gets money. As long as they got it, why mm-hmm. do you think dope dealers are so respected in our culture it doesn't matter how get that money girl I'm or, or boy or whatever Cardi B and again that was going to be my next you know when we started talking about spectacle anyway I, we're, we're D jump in here
0: now I mean I think you guys are hitting on a, on a number of good points and um you know as I, as I said I think what we're seeing now is is not just a sign of of cultural decline, you know, which it is, and and I agree with you, Uncle Jimmy. There's certain things that we're seeing now, they just you just never would have seen, you know, thirty, forty, fifty years ago, right? And if you did, it was among a certain group of people, right? Because we we can admit somebody like Prince didn't dress like the average black man, you know, back in the '80s. But the same thing was there with, for David Bowie, right? So they, they, as rock stars, we tend to give them a little bit more latitude in terms of expression, in the same way we do with comedians, not in terms of dress, but in terms of free expression. But when you see just everyday people, um, when you see athletes, when you see entertainers, and now, and this is to me is a more the, the bigger piece, when you see children mimicking this behavior, and the response from the culture is to applaud never to, to ask questions, never to say, well, maybe we shouldn't go in this direction, even with the kids. What you're seeing is a society that is rewarding behavior um, that ultimately is going to be self-destructive. Because, and and you know, some of the, the people who are most supportive of Russell Westbrook were other women, particularly black women. And my first thought was, I wonder how they would feel if they came home and their boyfriend or husband you know, was coming out of their closet with their A-line skirt on and 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 a halter top, right? It's easy to say, oh yeah, I support what's the rust book, and you know, uh, you guys are trapped by the patriarchy and you need to expand what you your definition of masculinity. But when it's sitting across from the table, in in your dress, in your high heels, then I then I'd really like to know whether or not they support it, um, because again, we're at a point where. As long as it goes against what we have known to be um, normal, decent, um, true, good, beautiful society, the, the culture at large, and particularly the cultural overlords, will will applaud it and say, yes, we need to tear down everything that's been normalized to this point and normalize everything that used to be ostracized so that the people who felt like they were on the outside before are now on the inside, and the people who were on the inside i.e. people who believe you know that there's only two genders now they have to be put on the outside um, and and as i said it is when you when you start moving away from from the truth and you start following other people's deception and lies um, it's hard to say when that train is actually going to pull into a new station because you, you'll be on that ride for a long time and and i've always contended if the majority culture I'm not talking white, I just mean just popular culture, mainstream culture, can get people to believe that male and female is not really a thing, then there's nothing that they can't get you to believe. All they have to do is get enough people to say it, enough people who you listen to, apply enough pressure, and you'll believe it. And, And that really is the distinction and the stark contrast between the Word of God, which is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, which makes universal truth claims about humanity from the beginning of time until the end of time, and these trendy beliefs that change every five minutes. Because you can't get a person on the left, if you ask them how many genders are there, and you ask 100 people on the left, you take you know, MSNBC, CNN, New York Times, get your Charles Blows, and your Mark Lamont Hills, and your Rachel Maddows, get all those people, and you ask them one survey question, how many genders? You're not, you're not gonna get two of the same answer. And that shows you the difference between Um, believing in that which is true, and then believing in that which is trendy.
2: So Delano said something, or or I'm pretty sure it was Delano, so I want to piggyback off of in terms of, we gave performers a wider lane to walk through, and, and they pushed the envelope, performers did, for attention, and so, Prince dressed one way, Michael Jackson, David Bowie, uh, whoever. Uh, uh, Rick James. Rick James or whoever, you know. The, the Isley brothers. Led Zeppelin, whoever. They all. But, but what has happened through social media? And this has been my complaint and what I've been trying to explain to people for the last probably 10 years. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok has turned everybody into a performer. Mm. Mm. It, you used to have to show some talent. And like, man, this dude, he won the, the, the talent contest at my junior high school. And then he won it in high school again. And then you know he showed some talent and they built a band around him. Now, in the, you don't have to win a talent show at junior high or high school. You just gotta have a phone and you can start performing, and start doing acts to get attention. And so we sat here and watched women take their rear ends and do some stair masters and some weight lifts to build up nice butts, and they turned that into a business on Instagram. Come look at my butt. I'm putting out a new butt picture every day. And her butt was the performance. And it started generating, and then other people go, well, I got a butt, and I got a gym membership. I can do it too. And then the next thing, TikTok comes along, and all you gotta do is come up with a little dance. And so, and, well, I can dance, I got some rhythm. Everybody thinks they're Prince and Michael Jackson. Rappers, all of, Tashani X-9 or whatever, they just put tats all over themselves. Anything yeah. they can do to get attention. They don't have to show any talent. They don't have to be... Tech 9 Jimmy is like a great rapper.
3: Yes, he is. A
2: great rapper. How many of these garbage rappers that just look crazy and get the right little hook Mumble, made, Mumble made tons of money, and so they've just dumbed down the... Per, they've opened the performance doors for, hey, come join the circus. And everybody's got their little act that they want to put on during the circus. And so everybody is out trying to be Prince, David Bowie, and all the other weirdos who have some kind of unique talent. And, and, and that's why our culture is in decay. Because there used to be people that would sit up and say, that's their lane. I'm over here in this other lane. I'm studying to be a lawyer, an accountant, a business person, blah blah. But now the lawyer, account—they dabbling in performance,
0: mm.
2: and, and so this whole movement to the internet and creating this internet matrix, social media matrix—that's what's at the root of this cultural decay. Everybody thinks they're just one TikTok dance away from being on Steve Harvey's show, or uh, v- viral and cashing a check. And then, if you, if you really catch the right lick, you can start a GoFundMe, and people send you money for, oh, you filmed somebody? Look at the woman that filmed, not, no, no, but.
3: Look at, the, like look, a, look at the woman that put gl- Gorilla Glue on her hair. There you go.
2: That mm-hmm. answers your question, Jim. Yeah. Gorilla Glue made, Gorilla Glue made her. Gorilla rip. Glue girl. Yeah, made her rich. D, we out of time. We got to go. All right. Thanks, guys. Awesome as always. Yeah, he don't, he don't actually. D actually was so good today, he actually brought good things out of you. Do you know how good you have to be to make you good? Yes, you do closet? it every day. No, no, no. I you do it do.
3: every day. I they be like, do. how do you get so good? Do you see the work that Whitlock does to bring this greatness out of me? <laughs> this mess don't come along easy. You absolutely right. Yeah. You that's well, why you one of the hardest working men in television
2: right well, now. Now I was say, see, D does it politely. I make threats. D D actually, with his own performance, makes you great.
3: I make threats. That's I, because I, D has what's called a personality. Yeah. Tact, class, yeah. Yes, class. That's <laughs> the word.
4: Intellect. <laughs> Koof.
3: Me on the I'm just a bully. All
2: right, youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock.
3: Elano actually knocks on the door as opposed to just kicking it open.
2: <laughs> Great couch. <laughs> Welcome back. Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Uncle Jimmy's still here. All right, we're going to roll back into the Monday Night Football broadcast mm-hmm. uh, last night. The Raiders and the Ravens played an absolutely crazy football game, and it was probably matched by the craziness of ESPN's broadcast last night. They had three different versions of that Monday Night game. You had the regular broadcast with Steve Levy and Lewis Riddick and Brian Greasy. You had the Manning brother mm-hmm. broadcast with Peyton and Eli, and then you had the uh, the mega cast that uh, Steve Kim was talking about with Dan Orlovsky and, and Lauren Rutledge and Marcus Spears and Minor Kimes. Uh, the big
3: draw, though, was Peyton and Eli. Greg Couch. But you do understand if you go with three of them, one of them got to work. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know what I One a- of them got to work. I mean, hell, they could have put me and you on there. We could have got some numbers. <laughs>
2: Might have been better than all three, Jim, but uh, Greg watched the Manning brothers. That was the big story last night, the Manning brothers and their Monday Night Football debut. Greg uh, has written a column where he calls it basically the
1: future of sports broadcasting. Greg, what did you like? Why was it a success? I like that it seems so interactive instead of people just talking to me. I think those guys seem genuine. And I liked that we got into the heads of quarterbacks and the way they think, you know, during a game. It was just funny watching Peyton go, you know, onside kick, onside kick, onside kick. It's like a five-year-old watching a football game. And these guys are nerdy and, and geeks still. And uh, they're making fun of each other as brothers. Uh, I just thought the whole thing felt genuine. And yeah, I could see this being the future. It scares me a little bit to think about who they might try to, to, to duplicate that with. But uh, yeah, I just I had a really good time. I just had really enjoyed watching the game. I would say the only thing that's negative is their faces were on the screen the whole time, which you needed to see their reaction because Peyton just kept going, uh, oh, and rolling his eyes and, you know, doing that. And, uh, you know, so you need to see them, but they sort of overwhelmed the game a little bit. We I mean, had this amazing game, I think it would take a little, you know, a little training for viewers to actually keep watching a game like that you know, where the announcers are basically having a talk show, uh, you know, and, and understand what it's to be able to still focus on the game. But I, overall, I just really liked it. I, I, mm. Of course he liked it.
3: Of oh, course I, he liked it. Why you why? say that? Greg, because you sit up there and watch the Mannings with your bland ass. <laughs> of course you liked it. Greg, you need to put you some hot sauce. Some seasoning salt or something on your food that's what the hell's wrong with you. if you was one of the Manning brothers, you'd be Eli man, if you don't step your damn game up, come on here, man. I thought I think that's stuff I think that's the 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 future of football. Well, I bet the hell i won't be watching it what well, first
2: of all, come on man first, first of all i'm gonna tell you why he's right and why you're wrong is is And I was very busy this morning. I, I would have said this to you, Greg, this morning while you're right. I look at this whole Manning thing. It's a training ground for the for Peyton and Monday Night Football. It's Peyton, not Eli. I got it. But again, this is what makes Peyton comfortable right now, working with Eli, not put, not working with somebody else. And to me, what I thought is very... If I were Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Lewis Riddick, and and they're putting the Manning brothers on opposite me, yeah. that literally, that's like uh, moving in a, a girlfriend into your home and <laughs> she's 20 years younger than your wife, and your wife, <laughs> you think your wife's going to go for we that? We talked about this yesterday on The yeah. Bible Story. <laughs> so I, I do, I feel like... <coughs> There were just the bones of something there. You know, wh- whatever Peyton Manning ends up doing in broadcasting, I don't think it's going to look like what we saw last night. There were some – I did – I didn't know if Eli offered much, but I do think Ray Lewis, Barkley, uh, Russell Wilson, Travis Kelsey, and somebody else I may be missing, those little guest appearances – I thought that was kind of cool and fun. Did you see Russell Wilson's wife? Go ahead. Yeah, I did. Okay. But, <laughs> but yeah, if I were the regular Monday Night Football broadcast crew, I don't know if I would be pleased with this.
1: You know I was looking at the preseason press conference those guys had and they were talking about how they need to be more conversational and they understand now that they need to talk to each other more. I mean they had a whole season of this and now they're being told hey let's be conversational and natural and meantime you look at the Manning brothers and that's all they were just clowning around and having fun. You know, I mean, hearing Peyton make fun or Eli make fun of Peyton's head, uh, you know, the size of his head. And also they were interesting, too, just the way they analyzed the game. and the one play when Lamar Jackson fumbled, and they talked about how the the guard and the tackle pulled this way, and the running back had to stop the uh, t- defensive end coming in that way, but he didn't go out far enough. He said so the defensive end got too close to Lamar, who got spooked and took off and didn't put both hands on the ball. And it was pretty quick thinking the way they described it so clearly. So it wasn't just clowning around. They gave a lot of football stuff. and uh, uh, you know. But, again, it would be hard to think of who they're going to put in, in, in their place. And I'm not sure Peyton – I think you're right. I think they're training Peyton for that job. I think Peyton wants to be trained as an owner, though. I think he and Jay-Z and Jeff Bezos maybe get the Denver Broncos next year. I think that's more what he has in mind. So maybe he's looking for a quick out, and that's why he's only agreed to 10 shows. I, I would – why Jeff
2: Bezos would be in partnership with anybody on owning the football team, he could own the whole National Football League. But, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I'll say this about Peyton. The intensity in his eyes as he watched the game. Yeah. And, I mean, he's really, really into football in a way that Eli isn't. And not both of them were quick to diagnose what was happening on the field. But you could tell, like Peyton's love of the game, comes off real well. And and I actually thought it's some. And again, I'm not saying Eli doesn't, but it's it's a transfer of energy. You can tell when people love what they're doing and have a passion for it, and just have that. I, they just have an aura and an energy around them. Peyton has it. I would like to see. And again, Peyton, I'm sure is in this with Eli for the long haul, but I would have loved to have seen Peyton and Ray Lewis, mm-hmm. Peyton and you know just Peyton Barth- his other
3: brother that has Cooper,
2: that show. perhaps Cooper or whatever, because at some what I actually thought the jo- and I don't mind jokes, but when I'm watching a football game, I'm not there for the jokes. I I, I actually. Peyton has so much, and I thought Eli, had so much interesting stuff to say about what was actually transpiring on the field from a quarterback's perspective. And, And I felt like with Peyton, I was listening to the smartest football player of all time occasionally break down what was happening on the field. He's, to me, he's much smarter than Tony Romo, and Romo gets a lot of credit for his breakdown of games. You put Peyton in that situation, and again, these guys are getting paid so much money now because Romo's what, making like 18 million bucks or whatever. So, would it be worth it to ESPN to pay Peyton 25 million bucks to, to do their uh, Monday Night Football? And You got to find the right, you got to get a big time play-by-play person. Again, I, I don't want to take a dump on the Monday Night Football crew, but I'm just, Steve Levy's not a football play-by-play guy. Not an NFL one, not at that level. Uh, Riddick and Greasy are are fine, okay. They're not at that level, but but if they could find the right play-by-play guy to match with Peyton, you you could have uh, something very special there.
1: They also just took advantage of of Zoom. I mean, they finally understood, you know, how to use the Zoom technology, and and you know, we've just. Instead of just watching people like me right here sitting here in my living room, you know, they, they actually made something exciting out of the scene. And, and I thought those guys got much better. I thought they were a little hyper at first, particularly Peyton. And it was a little forced and then a little hokey. And I think someone actually got in his ear and said, hey, let's talk football. And then he calmed down and they became sort of natural to themselves. And I thought, that, you know, they were just sort of, you know, Beavis and Butthead like, or those guys in the Muppets, the old guys watching overhead. It was just kind of funny watching them.
2: I, I think, because I, I saw some other reviews and from what I saw of the internet, people were high on the broadcast. I, I, I thought the bones of something successful was there, mostly yeah. built around Peyton. The other thing I thought, with those two guys being brothers, I expected them to be in a man cave together. In chairs side by side, each other. I think that would have been better, but I would, they live in different cities, and I guess there's only so much effort they want to put into this. No one, but I would have forced Eli to go to Peyton's house, and <laughs> and sit in his basement and just have him talk football. And and listen, if I'm ESPN for real, what what I would do, and and someone needs to pass this on, we'll put this clip out. If, if, if what I would do is I would build a set in Peyton's Man Cave. Have Eli come over. I'd fly in Ray Lewis or a couple other uh, athletes, and I'd have a party in Peyton's Man Cave while Peyton's leading the discussion about the football game.
3: That would potentially be next level. Uh, We're going through a pandemic. Uh, I don't want none of these people coming over to my house. (laughs) (laughs) If you think Peyton Manning
2: and these guys care, I guarantee they, they ain't... They like Nicki Minaj. <laughs> they, ain't, they ain't buying all this. They ain't on the Fauci bandwagon. There trust me. There you go. These guys. Anyway, thank you, Greg. Thanks. All right, Uncle Jimmy wants to flip me the bird, I believe, which I don't blame him. YouTube.com/slash Jason Whitlock. Jimmy's gonna flip me the bird, and we're gonna do an approval rating on Carl Nassib and. Jim- Oh wow. Uh didn't you hot? Anyway, stay tuned.
3: All that more.
2: All right, welcome back, Jimmy. You're kind of feisty today. You want to flip me the bird? You
3: were brutal. Man. You were brutal to Greg Couch. I thought that was your guy, man. But, but Greg is my guy, man. But but Greg, Greg kind of remind me of Roman noodles sometimes. Roman noodles or ramen noodles? Roman noodles, You know what I'm talking about? Them things that keep you alive during college. <laughs> Damn it, if you ain't got no hot sauce, they sometimes just don't work. <laughs> Anyway, go ahead. What you, why you want to flip me the bird? Well, man, I, I I just need to check out. I need to know if you know what's going on on these Twitter streets, man. Have you, have you checked out what's happening this weekend? Uh, I thought so, I just, just in these Twitter streets? I thought First I First of all, well let, let's get down to it then. Yeah. Let's get down to it. First of all, I got a couple pictures for you from the AVN Awards this weekend.
2: The AVN Awards. That's in Las Vegas.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm going to show you a picture of
2: uh, Jennifer Lopez. That's not. She's, that's not the AVN award. That's the MTV awards.
3: Well, look. Can I look? I'm telling you what I thought it was. Okay. Then you had the picture of what's her name, Chloe Bailey. You see her? No. <laughs> well, don't tell me. what. Well. I know what the hell. That's the AVN awards. MTV. That's not. Then, then, then you had Megan Fox. Megan. Yeah, she
2: definitely ain't at the AVN. That's MTV.
3: Mm. Okay. Now. I don't know. Can you keep saying that's the uh, MTV award? Or VMAs. Look, I don't know if it was the AVN, the VMA, or the him be gay (laughs) award. I don't know what the hell it was. All I know is that Nicki Minaj was supposed to be there. (laughs) Okay. And due to the (laughs) fact- You almost almost called her that Nicki came on. Anyway, I thought you was about to say something else. (laughs) All I know is Nicki <laughs> Nikki Minaj was supposed to be there. Yeah. Okay. And for whatever reason, she gave her a reason for why she wasn't there. Okay. And I don't know what happened, but somehow or another, Nicki Minaj and Joey Reed had what I'd like to call a knockdown weave drag out. <laughs> okay. See, evidently, Nicki was supposed to be in there at the event and she wasn't there. Okay, because she hadn't got her shot yet, okay, and she was the very nice is unvaccinated, yes, and she was very, very very and she was unvaccinated, which I thought that's what you're supposed to do if you ain't had the shot, and if you ain't had it, and you ain't been any vaccinated, yeah, okay, that's what you're supposed to do, but then later on, she posted out a tweet saying that her cousin's uh nut testicles had swollen up. <laughs> You know now I, I know did you, see this tweet. Okay, now I know you might think I'm kidding, but somehow or another, her cousin's nuts made it on Tucker Carlson before I did. <laughs> you think I'm lying? Look right here. Now, out of nowhere, oh, here comes... Tucker Carlson was talking about... Yes! Nicki Minaj's cousin? Talking about his nuts. <laughs> yes. Look, that's what I'm saying. I don't figure out he made it before me. Now, this is going on, and out of nowhere, here comes Joey... Baby boy, Reed, out of nowhere. (laughs) Let's look at this clip and see what Joy did here.
4: Come on. People like Nicki Minaj, I have to say this. You have a platform, sister, that is 22 million followers. Okay, I have 2 million followers. You have 22 million followers on Twitter. For you to use your platform to encourage our community to not protect themselves and save their lives, my God, sister, you could do better than that. You got that platform. It's, It's a blessing, it's a blessing that you got that, that people listen to you, and they listen to you more than they listen to me. For you to use your platform to put people in the position of dying from a disease they don't have to die from, oh, my God, as a fan, as a hip-hop fan, as somebody who is your fan, I'm so sad that you did that. So sad that you did that, sister. Oh, my God. Oh, my, oh
3: my God, God I'm sister. So sad. Oh,
4: sister, girl. Oh,
3: I'm so sad. Okay. She's
2: so... Phony is what she is. <laughs> I almost say so effing
3: phony. That's what she is. Anyway, go ahead. She opened up them floodgates for Nikki. Okay, that, that's what she did to Nikki. And therefore, that, laid, that that made Nikki lay them hands on her on Twitter. Oh, wow. Okay, so N- T- Nikki responded back, and I love this. She said, Two white men sitting up there nodding their head caused this Uncle Tamia doing their work. How <laughs> <I was> sad. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Then wait a minute. Hold on. I ain't finished. Cause then after that, she hit her with the two piece. (laughs) She hit her up. She said, this is what happens when you're so thirsty to down another black woman by the request of the white man (laughs) that you don't bother to read all my tweets. My God, sister, do better. Imagine getting your dumb ass on TV a minute after a tweet just to spread a false narrative about another black woman. Mm.
2: Man, this was a knockdown, weave out. <laughs> knock down drag out weave out, yeah. yeah.
3: Now see, I know some of y'all think that Nikki's wrong for beating up on a senior citizen, <laughs> okay? But I'm here to tell you that if you look at Joy Reed's forehead, you can't tell me it don't look like she been busted in the head with a bag of nickels a time or time. <laughs> 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 See, but then it got good to Nikki. Okay, because she done already beat up one elderly person. So she right now she just throwing bolos. Did you see what she said to Merlin McCain? Megan McCain? Okay, Megan McCain, same thing. <laughs> Megan McCain wanted to get into this little thing. And you know what she told Megan McCain? Eat shit. <laughs> Eat shit. <laughs> I don't we care what you, you got to time. say.
2: We heard you the first time.
3: I'm just saying that was the tweet. Yeah. I mean, th- th- that pretty much ends it at that point. You don't really got nothing else to say.
2: Sounds like I missed some fireworks. I saw. Hey, the man, they need two. to leave
3: Nikki alone. Yeah, they really do. <laughs> and Nikki he, done got a little brutal since she done left the. Uh, well, I'm just
2: this COVID thing and, and just trying to force everything on people. Uh, And all this phoniness. Oh, my God, sister, that's so sad.
3: You can force people to die. Everybody. (laughs) Come on. You you know what I think, Jason, I I wonder if how much of this is you're actually because, you know, Nora, at one point a couple years ago, Nikki was the height of the industry. Nikki is actually just dropping some just some basic knowledge about how she feels and what her family's going through. But you're trying to downgrade her because she's not with what everybody's saying. You, 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 you trying to, you, 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 you making her look bad. No, they trying to bully
2: everybody. Into everybody. It. And oh my God, if you don't rant and rave and scream that everybody get the vaccine, people need to do what makes sense for them. We need to get up out of each other's business and trying to tell everybody what makes sense for them. What makes sense for my fat, overweight butt may not make sense Marcus. for some... 35-year-old who's in great shape, and Joy Reid needs to shut up because she ain't saying what she really believes. We we done seen the blog posts and all the stuff she from her past and what she really believes. Can I ask you a question? The please? whole th- oh, hold on, hold on. Hey, I, this is a sorry, serious point. The the whole thing she does on that show is phony. This woman was raised in the church mm. and got and had church values. She done sold out for money. And now she's down with any and everything the left tells her to be down with. If, they t- if the left told her, if Rachel Maddow came in her dressing room and said, hey, baby girl, drop it," Don't say that. And you got to go spit on your mama to prove that you down with her. Joy Reid would go spit on her mama. These people don't stand for nothing. They want to sit up and call this person to sell out this. They the ones selling out. Go look at her old stuff she wrote on her blog about what she really thinks and then go compare it to what she says on MSNBC and then go look at the paycheck they gave her to say that stuff she don't believe. But but, oh, I'm the sellout. I'm sticking to what my grandmama taught me in the church and what football taught me. OK, I ain't never moved off of that and I never will. There's no check they can cut me to get me to move up off of that. So, mm-hmm. un- this is supposed to be a funny segment. Uh, let's go to the approval rating for Carl Nassib. We're gonna run through this quick, Jim. We gotta get out of here. Job performance. I got
3: him at a 17. I give him a 25. How do you give him a 25? The man came off the bench, made one play. The he man made up. The man made three sacks, uh, got three tackles, and got one sack and a strip, and, and, and it was a fumble. It was a big play. That's why I there gave him. There you a go. That's a 25. That was his job. He did it. It won the game. There you go. Come on. Character. I give him a 20. He's true to. He, he's true to what he is.
2: That's authenticity, Jim.
3: No, no he, he's a character. Oh. He, he's a character. He's an he's NFL player, and he did what he's supposed to do last night. 25.
2: I think he's pretty authentic. I'll give him a 22. He's kept it real. He's handled his situation
3: uh, very appropriately. I'll give him a 22 in authenticity. I give him a 25. Can't, give, can't get no more authentic than, than what he's doing. And it factor, uh, I'll give him a four. Uh, I don't know what it is, but the NFL ain't having no parts of it. I'll give him a zero. <laughs> <laughs> I got him a candle lit a 63. You got him at a Out grease of 75, fire. a ceasefire. <clears throat> grease fire. Well, the NFL want him to be a ceasefire. They a want ceasefire. him to stop. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, uh, can they start playing tomorrow? So I know it's time for me. I'm so glad we had this time I'm together. Now just it's time to, to hear some that. You know, I met someone here that's kind of
3: reminded me of Tamar. Wait, was wait, saying, w- w- was this this weekend? Yeah. OK, remember, you were drunk this weekend. Yeah, I know. I was, yeah, I, know. <laughs> Yo, I guarantee you she don't look like Tamar right now. <laughs> now she look like Edith from All in the Family. <laughs> <laughs> That ain't true. <laughs> Alright, I gotta go. See y'all. Get on of. them beard goggles.
4: <laughs> we are living, get back. We are receiving all the seed when we all wanna be free. We want freedom. I just fall,
3: I wanna beat, I just walk. I wanna beat, I just I wanna beat, I just want.